Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but sins are reproach to any people. Hello and welcome to Of God and Man, the show that's the inspiration for the song, Another One Bites the Dust. <laughs> this is your host, Brom French. It is wonderful, terrific, marvelous to get to be back with you. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at 210-854-8029. However, it's best, especially right now, if you send me a text message so that I can respond to you. My phone does not get any reception. I am out in the upstate part of New York, and there is, well, the only things I see are cows and trees. <laughs> or you can reach me by email at bf at bromfrench.com. That's the letter B, the letter F, the at sign, B-R-A-H-M-F-R-E-N-C-H dot com. Several years ago, I'm a teenager. I've got a car, so I'm about 16, maybe 17 years old. I've got two friends spend the night, Tim and Shane, and it's the evening time, and Tim and Shane and I, we have decided that we are going to make a fire just outside my house, uh, just a little while, little ways off, and while we're making the fire, Shane has this crazy, absurd idea. Shane says, why don't we put rocks around the fire? And I thought to myself, that is pure lunacy. The only people that put rocks around the f around fires, well, they're sissies or uh, they're uh, transvestite operatives, maybe. Uh, the, not the non-transvestite NSA operatives, but, you know, they're, they're transvestites, they're girly men. And uh, nonetheless, we are not going to put rocks around the fire. So we had this long debate this discussion, and Shane kept saying, look, we need to put rocks around the fire, and I kept telling him, we're not girls, we're not going to do it. So we made the campfire, and we did whatever we did, and the night progressed, and we decided now, you know, it's getting morning, and it'd be a good time to go to bed, and so we threw water on what was left on the ash of the fire, and thought that everything would be fine, and so we then progressed to go to go into the house, and we went to sleep. The next morning, we woke up. We had to wake up early. We had to take Tim somewhere, and we've headed out the door. We've gone, and we've gotten in the car, and I have put the car in reverse, and now I'm looking towards the road. I'm looking backwards as I'm backing up, and Tim is looking forward toward the house, and Tim, out of nowhere, just screams and yells, Stop! 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 I slam on the brakes and uh, then turn my head to look what in the world is he yelling at to notice that my yard or my parents' yard, rather, I probably should say, is engulfed in flames. And I mean, that fire is going, it is blowing, it is picking up steam, and it is heading right to our house. Now, I go out there, and what would any great fireman do? What what would anybody that has any sense do? If you see flames that are just huge and monstrous, and they are approaching your place, what would you do? Well, I'll tell you what you'd do. You'd probably do what I did. I went and tried to step, stomp the fire out with my feet, 
not to much avail, if you can imagine. And Tim, I look up, and Tim has grabbed a sheet of metal that uh, my dad had laying around in the yard. He's grabbed a sheet of metal, and he is throwing it and smothering the fire, big spots at a time. Everywhere he puts that sheet down, the fire's out, smolders, and he goes to the next spot, and he does it again. Eventually, I get the idea, and I go and get a sheet myself. And I, I wish I could recall what Shane did. Shane might, might have just been trying to blow on the flames, make them bigger. I don't remember. <laughs> but nonetheless, all three of us gave a concerted effort to eliminate this fire that honestly never would have grown if we had put rocks around it. It never would have gotten as big as it did. It would not have gotten as close to our house because that was the biggest fear. The flames were getting dangerously close to our home. Sometimes in life, you know, the Bible says that the tongue is set on fire from hell. And sometimes we let loose the fire, but we don't have enough sense to put rocks around it. And so we just blow and go and until and don't realize that there's any danger but somebody sitting beside us looks out and we're not even looking the right direction we're going the wrong way and they look out and they see the flames that are approaching our own home the flames that we started the flames that we refused to protect with rocks those flames they've looked out and they've seen as it is approaching the things of ours they've yelled at us to stop thank god i had enough sense on that day to stop because that was my parents home they probably would not have been very happy with me but there have been times where i know somebody's yelled at me to stop because my tongue kept on going but i've got it in reverse i'm looking backwards and i'm not looking at the devastation that's approaching my home and the things I love because I'm too determined to go wherever it is that I think I'm going. No, Tim didn't make it that day. Tim didn't make it to his appointment, but our house was saved. Some things have got to be more important than others. For Tim, the saving of my home was more important than him making it to his appointment. And so should it be with me and thank him, thank Tim, thank you. If you listen to this podcast, Tim, thank you for reaching out and saving my home. Thank you, those that would reach out and tell me your tongue's a fire from hell and it's going to destroy your home if you don't watch it. Thank you, Shane, for caring enough at the very outset that he would say we need to put rocks around this fire. We need to make sure that it is controlled that it is contained. It was the controlling and containing that if that would have transpired, my home would have never been in danger. Tim would have never had to yell stop, but because it wasn't controlled and it wasn't contained, it got out of hand and almost ruined everything that my parents ever worked for that we ever had. And I was too busy looking and going the other direction. How many times has that been us? How many times has that been you? Your tongue has gone. It's that flame from hell. It has gone and there were no rocks around to protect anything else. 
We just let it go. We're not even looking the right direction. We're looking somewhere else. We're looking behind us. Somebody else is looking in front of us and they're seeing the devastation approach and they yell stop. I owe my hat off and gratitude to both Tim and Shane for their wisdom. Now the next question is, well, Brom, now you're almost 40 years old. Next time you have a fire at your home, will you put rocks around it? Well, that's a good question. I wish I had a good answer. I'll tell you, I might be almost 40 years old, but I'm still not a girly man. (laughs) And now I realize putting rocks around a fire may not be something that just transvestites and girly men do. (laughs) Maybe there was some wisdom in that. And let me keep the rocks around the fire of hell called my tongue. Thank God that his spirit helps me control it. Let me take a break and uh, we will be back in just a moment. Are you tired of those pesty squirrels eating the poor bird's food? You struggle to put food out for them, that bird seed, for them to eat to get through the winter months. And there, lo and behold, are the squirrels eating all of their food. Well, we've developed a new product to take care of this pesty problem. And it is called the Squirrel Bludgeonator. Just by the push of a button and boom! There they go, dead, right there. But don't waste that precious animal no you can skin it and use the fur for slippers to keep you warm in the cold of night and don't forget squirrel jerky is way better than beef jerky and will give you the protein you need to get through those long winter months so don't forget the bludgeonator only $9.99 And there it is, the car crash, the collision, if you will, of Christianity and Islam, the nonsense called Chrislam, or Islam and Judaism. Can these two religions, can Judaism and Islam, or Christianity and Islam, can they coexist peaceably? On one side, yes. On the other side, no. Why is it that Jews and Christians can live peaceably with Muslims, but Muslims cannot live peaceably with anybody else that is not Muslim? This is very clear in the Quran, and that is why we're going through it. We're in chapter 2 of the Quran. It is called the cow. We're picking up at verse number 61. The other day, we tried to get through it, and uh, we read past 61, but I was so... uh, sick of the this doctrine of devils that I quit. So we're going to pick back up and finish verse 61 and uh, try to go a little bit further. This is what it says. And remember when you said, O Moses, we cannot endure one kind of food. So invoke your Lord for us to bring for, forth for us of what the earth grows, its herbs, its cucumbers, its thumb, uh, wheat or garlic, its lentils and its onions. He said, would you exchange that which is better for that which is lower? Go you down to any town and you shall find what you want. And they were covered with humiliation and misery and they drew on themselves the wrath of Allah. That was because they used to disbelieve Arat. That means proofs, evidence, verses, lessons, signs, revelations, etc. of Allah and killed the prophets wrongfully. That was because they disobeyed and used to transgress the bounds. In their disobedience to Allah, uh, i.e. the committed crimes and sins. 
Verily, those who believe and those who are Jews and Christians and Sabians, whoever believes in Allah and the last day and do righteous good deeds, shall have their reward with their Lord. On them shall be no fear, nor shall they grieve. So as far as I'm going to get, and we're going to back up and we're going to look at it, pick up at verse 61 again. So remember when Moses says we cannot, uh, that they told Moses we can't endure one kind of food. So in other words, the Jews were complaining that it was manna and it was quail. So invoke your Lord for us to bring forth for us what the earth grows, its herbs, its cucumbers. Now, where is this? I, th- I think this is a legitimate question. That was one of the things from the last podcast. I went back and looked up because I wanted to know where the seven springs were when Moses hit the rock and the seven springs, a spring for a tribe. Where was that in scripture? Guess what? It was nowhere. Nowhere in the KJV Bible was it located. I could not find it. I knew it wasn't in there. And sure enough, it wasn't. But here they're saying that uh, the Jews were frustrated because all they had was the manna and the quail. So invoke your Lord for us to bring forth for us what the earth grows, herbs, cucumbers, uh, wheat and garlic, its lentils and its onions. He said, would you exchange that which is better for that which is lower? Again, here is a question. Where is this? This is, how can you put this? The Bible is written, was written, Torah, written by Moses. Uh, Isaiah, we assume, wrote Isaiah. And you can go on down the list of who wrote, and they can pretty much backtrack who wrote what book. The Quran is written by Muhammad. Now, the problem is, Muhammad's not Jewish. Muhammad was not there. And so he's writing, and and, and, uh, supposedly it was an angel or, or whatnot, but it is contrary to what the people that were there wrote. There's a problem with that. So, all right, let's continue. Would you exchange that for uh, what's better for what's lower? Go down to town and find what you want. And they were covered with humiliation and misery. What in the world are they talking about? Where is this? And they drew on themselves the wrath of Allah. Um, Good luck finding any Jew say that they drew the wrath of Allah. (laughs) Uh, They might say G-D. They might say Jehovah. They will not tell you that they drew the wrath of Allah. That was because, and let's continue, that was because they used to disbelieve the proofs, evidence, verses, lessons, signs, revelations, etc. of Allah and killed the prophets wrongfully. Now, the Bible does teach that they did kill the prophets wrongfully, that some of them, and even Jesus does mention this, but it's not in where the Quran is trying to say that it transpired. It's not there at all. We, we can go back and through Scripture and we can find where some of them were slain by the hands of, of evil men. But it was not with Moses. Again, it just doesn't, it does not correlate, does not make sense. Of Allah and killed the prophets wrongfully. Again, so what are they talking? That was because they disobeyed and used to transgress the bounds in their disobedience to Allah. They committed crimes and sins. So if you do not believe or you're disobedient to Allah, which is not, Remember, that's the other question. Is this the same God of the Old Testament? Is this Jehovah? Is this the same God of the New Testament? Is this Jesus? Is Allah the same God? I can't help but say no and no and a thousand times no. 
Verse 20, 62, excuse me. Verily, those who believe and those who are Jews and Christians and Sabians, whoever believes in Allah in the last day and do righteous good deeds shall have their reward with their Lord. There is a problem. There is a problem with Islam and Christianity. The problem is that you are not rewarded for your good deeds. In Christianity, there is no deed good enough for you to be rewarded. But we will be judged based on our sins, and all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The only redemptive power or hope we have is in the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary. And so if we're going to be rewarded for our good deeds, my friends, we are in serious trouble. As a matter of fact, if you're going to be rewarded for your good deeds, do you remember what Jesus told? They came to him and said, good master. And he said, why call you me good? There's none good but one, and that's God. And so it's very clear. Now, Jesus, speaking from the flesh perspective, was saying, hey, I'm not, in, in my flesh, I'm not good. There's nobody good but God. Now, I do believe God was made manifest in the flesh, but he recognized the frailty of the flesh. And so here in the Quran, it's making it very clear that you will, your righteous good deeds shall have your reward with your Lord. No, that's not true. That's simply not the case, not in Christianity. Now, in Judaism, they live under the law. But in Christianity, you recognize that nobody ever was able to live up to the law. But where sin abound, grace did much more abound. And so then it continues, verse 62. The good deeds shall shall have their reward with the Lord. On them shall be no fear, nor shall they grieve. On those, now let's back up. So the Jews, the Christians, and Sabians, whoever believes in Allah, there is the crux of the issue. Because if a Jew believes in Allah, that's not Jehovah of the Old Testament. And if a Christian believes in Allah, that's not Jesus. And it's not Jesus of the Old Testament either. There's the crux. And that's why another good reason why Judaism and Islam do not mesh, and Christianity and Islam do not mesh, which explains part of the reason why they want to kill us, either convert or die in their estimation. Tell you what, let me take a break, and when I come back, we'll go through a book that can really change your life forever. Hold on just a second, and we'll go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. Mr. Gorbachev, Tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. America needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but sins are reproached to any people. And we are back. And we're about to go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. We are in Genesis, Genesis chapter 39, which is crazy, amazing, cool. We are actually on verse number four, and we're going to go from verse number four to verse number six. The Bible says this, 
Genesis chapter 39, verse number four. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from that time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Now let's kind of give a recap to what has transpired Chapter 37 makes it clear that Joseph's hated by his brethren and he's sold into slavery and he's taken down into Egypt. Then we get to chapter 38 and chapter 38 completely forgets about Joseph and goes to Judah and his uh, offspring. And then chapter 39 picks back up where chapter 37 lost, left off, almost a to be continued type passage. And so we see that now at the beginning of 39, Joseph's brought back to Egypt. He's brought into Egypt. He's given to Potiphar, sold to Potiphar, and now he's in Potiphar's house. But then we pick up, go back, verse number four, Joseph found grace in his sight. Now remember, Joseph has been sold into slavery because his brothers can't stand him, because his dad loved him. His brothers were envious. He has dream. He has vision that his siblings just don't grasp. They don't understand. They can't wrap their minds around. And so now he's sold into Egypt. Now he's at Potiphar's house, but he finds grace in Potiphar's sight. You see, again, this goes back to the same concept. You cannot keep a good man down. If you found favor in God's sight, God will give you favor in other sight in the sight of others. And so Joseph has found favor, he's found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house. And check this out. His brothers say, well, basically, they were going to kill him, and except for Reuben speaking up, they would have. And so now not only was he going to be killed, but now they have told his dad that he's been eaten, or they allude to the idea that he's been eaten by some wild animal. And so dad thinks that Joseph is dead, but God at the same time is giving Joseph favor in Potiphar's house. Joseph's found grace in his sight and he's serving him. Now check that out. Where does the grace in his sight come from? The grace in the sight comes from service. If you want to find grace in somebody's sight, serve them. Oh, I know that's not the kind of thing we like to hear today. And I, you won't probably find a better capitalist or a more of a capitalist than me. Free market enterprise system, I am all in, 100%. However, if you want to find favor in somebody's sight, if you want to find grace in their sight, serve them. Not to get a reward, but just serve them. When they're sick, bring them food. When they need a blanket, give them one. Serve somebody and you will find you will have grace in their sight, which is exactly what happens to Joseph. Joseph is serving Potiphar and now he's found grace in his sight and he made him overseer over his house. Now he wasn't good enough to even be in the house of Jacob, according to his brethren, but in Egypt, <laughs> he's the overseer of the house. He's got all, he's got all say, he's got all control. And all that he had, he put into his hand. So now if it is Potiphar's, 
it is Joseph's. Well, except for his wife. We'll get there another time. <laughs> Verse number five, And it came to pass from that time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. If you bless God's people, God in return will bless you. That's one of the basic principles about tithing. Paying your tithes, giving your tithes, God will restore and will abound his blessings upon you. And it's amazing because even if you don't get a raise, your finances are going to stretch much further and get you a whole lot more. This is the same principle that's transpiring right here, even though Potiphar doesn't understand it. Joseph found grace in the sight. He serves him and makes him overseer over his house. And all, he's put everything in his hand. It comes to pass at that time that he's made him overseer, that then the Lord blesses the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Not for Potiphar's sake, but for Joseph's sake. You see, <laughs> you, if you're living for God, you are a blessing to the world around you, even if they don't recognize it. They are blessed because of your relationship with God and their relationship thus with you becomes a blessing to them. And so now the Egyptian's house is blessed for Joseph's sake. Because Joseph's there, God's going to bless them. It's one of the reasons I believe if you're going to have a business, there's nobody better to hire than a Christian or maybe a Jew. Somebody that's got a relationship with God. You're going to want to hire them. Why? Because God's going to bless your business so that you can bless your employee. Oh, I know that sounds crazy. But if you remember what the Lord told Abraham, I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. And in you will all the seed of the earth be blessed. In your seed will all families of the earth. So it's important that we remember who it is we need to bless. And so let's continue, he says, and, uh, and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessings of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. So the Lord blessed everywhere that Joseph had control, just like the Lord did for Jacob with Laban. It was the same principle. Verse number six, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. So now he's trusted Joseph enough. Now recognize, Joseph didn't start out with that trust. Joseph had to win that trust. And so if you're walking with the Lord, you're not going to just automatically, because you've got a relationship with God, the favor is not immediately going to be there. But over the process of time, you keep that relationship with Jesus, you keep that close. And over the process of time, they're going to see, and it's going to be clear, that you're not like everybody else. And they're going to put the trust in you. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had served the bread which he did eat. In other words, he was not concerned with the welfare of his business because he knew Joseph had it under control. He knew Joseph was going, was a man of integrity. The Bible says, and Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. He knew that he could leave it in Joseph's hand, and Joseph could be trusted. This is one of the problems with some of us Christians today. You can't trust us as far as you can throw us. 
because you can't trust us, because we've gotten so far away from biblical principles, gotten so far away from being men and women of integrity or men of our word, that now they don't know who to hire, who to fire. They don't know if what you say is what you mean and vice versa. Do you mean what you say? But if we're going to have favor, we're going to have to go back to the same principle. And no, you don't expect to be trusted immediately. Joseph wasn't trusted immediately. Joseph was still just a slave when he first got into Egypt. And it took a time, took a while for him to build that trust. And we're going to see a little later on that Potiphar's wife does what she can to destroy the trust of Joseph because Joseph does not yield to her wishes because she was the one thing, Potiphar's wife was the one thing of Potiphar's that was not Joseph's. And he recognized that. And so she was set out to destroy him and ruin him. But remember, you can't keep a good man down. And so Joseph will be in a prison cell, but he will rise again and be used by God. And what should have destroyed him, the Lord would use to bless. And the Lord would use not only to bless him, but eventually is going to bless the brethren. And the dream, the vision that Joseph had will come to pass. But for it to come to pass is going to mean that where he is, he will not be able to be there forever. He's going to have to take a low road, and he's going to have some hard, difficult times. God has great things in store for all of us. But if we're going to get there, it's not going to come easy. There will be hard, difficult times. But if you hold on, he will, he always does, bring it to pass. Potiphar, you're just a stepping stone. God's got something greater just in store around the corner. And so he does for you and I. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you later. <laughs>